0: Thanks, everybody. So glad you tuned into this episode of Navigate. I'm Tim Austin, owner and coach at EncompassLifeCoaching.com, and I'm also the host of this show. What do we need to consider when processing and planning a major transition? There are often so many areas that need our attention, it can definitely feel overwhelming and like me i'm sure you've wondered at times am i considering the right things as i walk through this season of change is there something i'm missing here transition is multifaceted there may be more to this transition than what you've considered so far and as our guest will share with us today there's a process that can help guide us through all of these decisions that we need to make whether you're planning a move across town or to a new country, you'll want to listen into this conversation. Jeff Simons is a missiologist at CORE with an MA in intercultural studies. He works out this passion and calling as a trained leadership coach and a cross cultural companion to global leaders in major transition. And Jeff does this in partnership with his wife, Sarah, the founder of The Way Between, an organization serving global leaders in major transition. They are a family on mission with their two kids, now residing in Denver, Colorado, after 12 years of overseas work in three countries. Jeff also hammers out his passion through the artistic spiritual disciplines of upcycled wood woodworking, clay sculpture, and literary wordsmithing. He's a contemplative, naturalist, egalitarian and postmodern strategists for kingdom influence so join me as i have a conversation with jeff about a structure for processing and planning transitions called missions mapping all right hey jeff welcome to navigate podcast i am super super excited about this conversation we're going to be having today
1: Yes, thank you. Very excited to talk with you. been following you for a few years and uh, very excited to have a good conversation with you.
0: Yeah, and I've been following you guys for a couple years as well. Um, Our listeners that have been tracking with us, you may recall a couple episodes I did with Jeff's wife, Sarah, and we we had some great uh, conversations around uh, transition and you were still Mm -hmm. in Spain at that time. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you're somewhere else. So you've been in three countries throughout the span of 12 years, as I understand it, and now just recently returning to the, have, have returned to the U.S. So tell me about this transition. What prompted it? How's it going? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we are kind of, you know, I, I, part of us feels like we're still in the air you know, on the uh-huh. on the way to the U.S., we yeah. How long
0: then How are, long? When, when <laughs> yeah, did you come back? We
1: landed two months ago. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, in the middle of COVID, uh, flights got canceled three times. Finally, made it. Quarantined with family in Michigan. Got a car. Made our way across the Midwest, seeing a few family members, and now we are uh, in the Denver area, in temporary housing, and. Figuring out life a piece at a time, um, and so we are in the midst in the midst of doing the process that we're going to talk about today, and this is a process that we've developed more and more as we've gone through major transitions so uh so Sarah was in england uh and and different parts of Europe for a concentrated three years. I was in Korea uh and different parts of Asia for over three years. And then together, and that was before we were married. And together, we've been in Spain the last eight years, and so now okay. we are setting up life in Denver and strategically uh, doing ministry from this this base.
0: So, okay, all right, yeah. good, good. Well, uh, tell tell me how how is that? How has the transition been going so far? I know, like you said, it's been you're you kind of still in limbo in some ways, tr- uh, temporary housing and and getting your feet on the ground there. Um, but what, is it, what does it look like as far as um, expectations? Um, how has it met your expectations or not?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: it's been quite, quite the process. We've got two little ones, an uh, 11-year-old and a 7-year-old. Um, she was born there, and he was only three, um, Amalia and Mattai. And, uh, you know, so for them, this is a move to a foreign country. Like they know some friends and family back here that we've been on furlough, that kind of thing. But really all their memories or all their life has been in Spain. And so they are getting used to a new country. Spain had had crossed the threshold a few years back to being more home for us than anything. Mm. But we have an element of coming back, you know, Uh, and they don't. So we're trying to give space and just – uh, we have some fun lists uh, that we 're doing that kind of go along with this mission mapping of what kind of things do we notice that are different here compared to southern Spain? You know, mm. what are some things that we want to take take with us and continue to incorporate? and into our family rhythms that we learned in Spain, you know, that that might be awkward here. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah.
1: Um, our, our little guy who's usually very extroverted, we find him to be a little bit shy and, and slow to mm-hmm. approach other kids. Cause he's kind of observing like, how do kids interact here? You know? And right, right. Um, so, you know, and we're just doing a lot of logistical things from, Uh, finding a car to updating our our tech and our phones and getting on a phone plan here. And, you know, uh, several of those pieces, house searching, you know, all of those. And, and, and with the weird overlay of COVID, everything's just a little strange and off Mm -hmm. and not quite, not quite normal, you know, going to the grocery store and trying to visit a church and you know, all of those things. So we have that strange overlay at the same time.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, we're going to, we're going to, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about missions mapping. And um, as you, you know, when you use the term missions mapping, what comes to mind is something very, for me, as I, as I just hear the term, it come, what comes to mind is something very strategic and um, more of, uh, you know, for, for the, the educated and for the adults. But here I say here, even just now, I heard you say we're bringing, you're bringing your kids into this process too. So this is, Mm -hmm. this is, this is going to be a a fun conversation to hear more about what, what um, missions mapping is. So why don't we just start Mm -hmm. with that? What is, tell us about missions mapping. What is it? How did you get involved with it?
1: Yeah. So my background, uh, coming out of Christian education with a psych emphasis and then uh, later having a master's degree intercultural studies at Fuller. Um, this, this really comes out of some of the anthropological, uh, research, um, particularly this, this idea comes, uh, is developed out of, uh, Dr. R. Daniel Shaw. Uh, he's the leading anthropologist and, uh, uh missiologist at Fuller. Um, And he has a book called Transculturation that really is like, you know, in one way simple and in other ways incredibly profound. Um, But, uh, you know, remember being back and as a missiologist at heart myself, uh, taking uh, some of those principles and saying, how does that inform how we go into a new place Mm. from when I moved to Korea to when I moved to Spain to even, even going for a a one week short-term mission trip somewhere, these principles uh, can be applied. And really, I mean, the best way to equate it is, you know, over the years we've learned to, to move from a literal Bible translation. When we do translation into other languages, we realized, okay, doing a literal translation actually doesn't, uh, uh, equate it doesn't always bring the message or the significance across and we've learned over the years through bible translation that we need to do a deeper process that that takes the culture into Mm -hmm. account Mm -hmm. Uh, and we actually do something called dynamic equivalence where we say okay this is the passage this is what it's saying this was what it meant back in the new testament culture but Mm -hmm. if we look at this culture how would we explain it in terms of both in the wording and in things that make sense in the environment of this other culture, you know? And so it kind of takes that same aspect, that same idea, and it says when we're landing and setting up life as missionaries in another culture, how can we do some transculturation? How can we, uh, in a sense, remove some of our own American culture, be good participant observers, create, connections with key people in order to actually enter the culture well as guests in a cultural sensitive way um and so what we do as a family we've been doing a family as a family literally the first thing i did when we got to denver is i went to the grocery store or the 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 uh uh, gasoline uh station and i got a a physical paper map of the greater denver area
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: we started working through these lenses that we've developed. And this is all kind of based off of some of that transculturation idea uh, from Dr. Shaw and um, have developed kind of seven key lenses. And we take one one at a time and we start actually physically mapping them out with markers on a, on a piece of paper to start to see what that informs us about this new city. Okay. And, how it works and where we might fit and what is God doing and what does God have for us in this place? Hmm. Um, That's a bit of a a background uh, to it.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, So, you know, and as you know, we talk a lot about uh, transition. It's a theme in this podcast around transition, how to navigate transitions. And so to me, this seems like a, a strategic way to approach transition a transition is multifaceted. There's a lot of different things and uh, that we need to be looking at, approaching it from different angles. Um, and I'm assuming since you are not now going to the field, but you've returned from the field, this also works for returnees from the field. So maybe tell me a little bit about that as we go into talking about um, some of these lenses that you look through. Um, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. so this is uh, applicable to any new place that you're going into or even saying, okay, I'm not moving any place, but Mm. how could I actually take these lenses and look at my neighborhood and my home church and all that in a whole new light in in a global Christian, a global mission uh, perspective. Global mission is kind of a catchphrase Mm. that I think is pretty powerful where it's uh, how do we think globally but also think locally about the kingdom of God and what God's doing, you know, even in our neighborhood. Um, these lenses can be helpful for even looking at that. But particularly for transition, um, in employing this kind of perspective in that first year or two on landing, thinking about it before launch, going into landing into a new city, whether that's, you know, God's moving you to another part of the U.S. and you're a U.S. citizen, you know, missionary, or if you're or if you're moving overseas, uh, these lenses can be helpful. And that first one or two years is so critical. It's it, it's different than mm-hmm. the other years that you spend there. And okay. those who have been on the field and yourself, even you could probably affirm this that there are there are specific you know habits where you set up life, how you start engaging with with locals, engaging in language learning, these kind of things that are so critical. Uh, in those first one or two years that if they're not done well or or major mistakes or just uh, in naivety, um, it's really hard to go back and kind of correct some of that uh, Mm. or or move to another place or change your routes, you know. Uh, But thinking about this ahead of time can really help you strategically enter in a way that helps you engage in ministry more effectively, effectively, but also set yourself, your family, your life up. For sustainable, long term, you know, however the Lord, long the Lord would have you there, be sustainable over time, yeah, um, in a way that's healthy for you too. So, um,
0: so what we're going to talk about now is is you're going to give us just a a taste of 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 a a few of these lenses that mm -hmm. you look through, and like, and I think you said there's seven. Lenses, so we won't have time to talk about them all today. But sure. we're going to talk about a couple of them. Um, the first one we're going to talk about a spiritual landscape. Um, you're going to, yeah. So why don't you unpack that a little bit for us?
1: Okay, okay. Um, Tim, I may just read off, in a sense, the titles of the seven. Oh, yeah. If, if that's okay, just to kind of wet people's whistle, <laughs> too, sure, and sure. Like to uh, to see kind of what. You know, those pieces are Uh, won't we won't go into like you said, we won't go into all seven today, but uh, we'll dive into that spiritual landscape one uh, first. So I actually they're not in any particular, but I do put the spiritual landscape one first on the list, because I do think that's pretty key, uh, especially as uh, mission minded folk. Going into a new area, the second one is is history of place, so really kind of being a a, a researcher and a, and a student mm. of the place and the people. Um, the third is bicultural bridges, and these are key connecting people that can help you bridge the gap uh, that you can't do because of either lack of time or experience in that in that culture. They become informants uh, key informants. Uh, The fourth one is Diversity and Dispersion. So really getting to know the overlay of the social classes, the economic environment, uh, justice issues, this sort of thing. The fifth one that we'll hopefully have some time today to look at is Family Values and Sustainability. Uh, The sixth one is Glocal Mission. And so that's kind of that uh, double-lensed missional view that we talked about earlier. And then lastly is living space and transport. So real tangible, like where you actually mm-hmm. set up life and okay. how you actually get around uh, can really affect the way that you connect or disconnect,
0: <laughs> as yeah. it were. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, so this really does encompass so many areas Um like you said, the very, you know, looking at the spiritual landscape, which you started with, but then, yeah, we're talking about very tangible, practical, day to day, how we structure our lives. And, and, yeah, so mm-hmm. it seems pretty, pretty um, all encompassing. So let's, yeah, let's dive into this uh, spiritual landscape. Tell, tell us, okay, why don't you unpack that a little bit for us. Great.
1: Yeah. And Tim, just knowing, you know, you're, you're having, having experience overseas too, would love to hear, you know, if anything sparks, you know, either questions or stories from your experience. uh, I know that would be really valuable uh, to the discussion here too. So um, yeah. So let me just give a, a preview of what this spiritual landscape one is. So this is actually kind of looking with spiritual eyes at the actual landscape and the place in which God has planted you. Um, so a lot of ways that, that there's several ways to do this, but one way that, uh, Sarah and I do this, uh, is through prayer walking, uh, Mm -hmm. picking different regions, different, different areas, walking around and just putting spiritual, uh, lenses on. And we do, we practice a three-way listening. We also do prayer driving. We're back in the U S it's very car, you know, car dependent. Uh, uh, but we do prayer driving as well in the same way. And we take a three-way listening posture. So listening to, What is God saying? God is already here. What is he doing? Uh, And observing that, Mm. listening to others, you know, either, Mm -hmm. you know, vicariously as we're walking along or other, uh, others like bicultural bridges, uh, people, and listening to our own heart, our own self, Mm. what, you know, a lot of times the spirit is speaking to us through those gut reactions, through senses of peace or uh, uh, speaking directly, you know, through words of of, uh, clarity or prophetic words. Um, Really, really important. And this is very key to the way between uh, the way that we do things in the way between Uh, Sarah and I have been in the membership or the, sorry, the member care game for about 12 years now uh, served with a dynamic team in Spain and, uh, and in this have developed what we call a holistic approach to engaging in transition. And so you can really do this in this spiritual landscape one. And so getting out and walking, doing new prayer postures, mm-hmm. even trying out new spiritual disciplines uh, can be really powerful during this transition time, bring fresh wind, uh, and, and actually help us encounter God in new ways. And sometimes just being in a new place, you actually encounter new things about God uh that you that you didn't know before, and sometimes that comes through experiencing God in a new place, sometimes that comes through opening yourself up to new prayer postures new prayer uh prayer disciplines, and that kind of thing yeah um yeah okay. so the other the other two and, mm-hmm. and uh, i don't know if you would if there's anything you wanted
0: to add to that just thinking about when when we went to Central Asia back in the nineties, and this was our mm-hmm. first assignment, and they're being so. Little, or at least that we knew of, little um, information out there for us to get a a handle on what is that going to look like spiritually. What are we walking into? And and so I felt very unprepared, you know, for what I was going to experience in terms of Mm -hmm. some of the the um, spiritual opposition and, and warfare and atmosphere that often we experienced as a heaviness, as an oppression, Mm -hmm. as, you know, various, various ways that we felt this. And we began to, once we, you know, landed there and and had some time begin to understand around that, but we, but we really didn't, this just intrigues me because there's probably, especially nowadays with all of the information um, available to us through technology um, as we, tune ourselves to the Lord and, and what mm-hmm. he's saying, whether we do the prayer walk, rock, prayer, walking or prayer driving or mm-hmm. um, that we can get ahead of the game maybe a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any substitute for actually being there on the ground, you know, and, right. and having some of, you know, the experience and the understanding through experience and, and conversations, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. around that. But, but it certainly, um, seems to me like this is this is a a key area that I think we often maybe miss in our Mm. we were just excited to go to the field you know not really you know and um, I think the Lord really protected us from a lot of things that we were unaware of obviously and that's Mm. part of that's part of doing mission as well yeah 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 I'm reminded of uh, uh, Dr. Charles Craft you know, one of
1: his main things he came, he was coming from a discipline of anthropology, but one of his main observances around the world is, you know, large majority eighty ninety percent of of the cultures of in on the globe are operate in a daily way, like their whole, even their the the way that their uh, their daily routines, the way that their schedule is, mm-hmm. are really based around. Uh, spirituality and interaction with the spiritual world. Now, I mean, I, 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 this was very blatant to me when I landed in Nepal and we were walking around. There were little shrines and little areas everywhere mm. where offerings could be made uh, to the spirits. There's, you know, and people were, you know, constantly as they would pass, they would stop and do something there, you know, and I started to realize like these are very, Spiritually minded people, very uh, you know, integrated into their even their daily routine, maybe more than you know, my life was as a Christian back in the U.S. You know, or yeah. or other mm-hmm. people I knew, like, wow, okay, uh, these people are serious. But uh, whether or not they knew Christ was was more the question, you know. But we we come at least as U.S. missionaries, and this is kind of Doctor main point is that. We know our Bibles well. We we learn it. We learn evangelism and techniques. We even learn how to debate the Scripture and apologetics and this kind of thing. But but actually being able to maturely deal in the spiritual realm um, is something that is a real growth edge. It certainly has been for mm-hmm. me. I feel mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. last this last decade or more of my life has been learning actually you know, how to actually really interact with the Holy Spirit, that part of the triune God that we serve. Um, mm-hmm. And and this and this is an area where it gives you that practice from the get-go, right? When you get on the ground, how do I start to mature in this, be connected yeah. with the Spirit, yeah. you know, listening to God
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and observing, you know, what are the realities of God's presence in this place, you know, whether Good. it's in the U.S. or, or abroad.
0: Right. Um, Good. so. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I kind of, okay. So I picture you, I picture you and Sarah uh, having this physical map laid out on your table. Okay. That you mm-hmm. got, that you picked up at the gas station. Um, and what goes on that map in terms of the spiritual landscape? What, what do you, yes. what do you put down there? <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> so that's that's like. a great question.
1: This is, this is uh, arguably of the seven lenses, one of the harder to Mm -hmm. necessarily, you know, draw something concerted on the map. Um, But, you know, one of the things is uh, that we have started to look at is uh, areas where we've been led so far to connect with certain spiritual leaders in the area, Mm. faith faith communities. And as we talk and interview uh, pastors in the area, other spiritual leaders, we're discerning, you know, Uh, even some of the history pieces that come then into this, all of these lenses have some overlap. Um, Mm -hmm. Where have there been major atrocities or a Mm -hmm. sense of real strongholds in the city? Um, uh, Spiritually uh, here in Denver, uh, you know, one of the things we're learning is just a long history and overlay of gun violence and mass shootings. And so, Mm -hmm. and this is not a commentary at all on where you stand with, you know, uh, right to own guns or anything like that. But there's just been some really tragic things. Columbine. Sure. Uh, we recently just met a wonderful Christian couple and in getting to know them, uh, found out that their daughter was one of the students who was shot and, and miraculously mm-hmm. survived and actually grew in the Lord in a powerful way through that experience. It has a powerful speaking testimony and has a a, a ministry and and books that she's put out, you know. So you see God moving through it, but it's, you know, the question of what what is going on on the spiritual level to have um, such a concentration in a small area you know, in the school environments, this kind of thing. Yeah. So conversations like that with spiritual leaders, with other Christians in there, you start to get a sense of, uh, you know, some of the areas uh, either that the church is is active and that can be mapped on there uh, Mm, or areas where there seems to be a real heaviness and oppression, a darkness um, that we it is easier to talk about when we talk about other countries, but it's, it's harder to talk about, you know, and like sort of own up to it and, and interact with it uh, here. It seems on the ground, mm. you know, in the U S
0: yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Well, I could see where, where as you do some of that, have some of those conversations um, and do some of that research um, and keep your ears to the ground. I think I could just, I can see the, how that could be helpful. Just having some, um, themes that you write down on the map, some themes, mm-hmm. you know, um, and seeing the kind of the connections between different um, historical events, um, issues in the church, various things, and, and what themes come out of that um, spirit, mm-hmm. you know, from a spiritual perspective, um, Yeah, looking at the spiritual landscape
1: one thing that I'm doing some research and just getting into the reading on it is, is the longer history in this area between native American Indians Mm. and and the settlers and the movement West and, you know, uh, some of the tensions there and some of the bloody massacres that happened, you know, right in this, in this area on the land, Um, right. Things like that where you're like, okay, what, you know, what has that affected in the spiritual realm? Um, um, So there's some pieces like that. And these were, Things that were uh, quite blatant, uh, you know, not coming from a charismatic or Pentecostal background myself. Uh, You know, when I've been overseas, it seems like my spiritual senses are heightened. There's Mm -hmm. just a lot more blatant things going on that I then you know, have to have the courage to in, then interact with, even in yeah. Spain. You think of Spain as a European country, but there was, yeah, quite a bit of regular, I was up in the night praying over the house, praying over my family, praying mm. for people and against things, uh, and just getting the the hard learning curve track on that, you know, uh, living overseas and saying, how do I, you know, continue to have that awareness Good. Uh, coming back and living in the U.S. So
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, Hey, let's, let's look at another, another one of these lenses here. Um, Family values and sustainability. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So this is one that uh, really has become key from a member care perspective of uh, just seeing the, the, the attrition of, workers off the field, you see the almost the same burnout and attrition rates with you as you do with U.S.-based ministry leaders, pastors, as you do with missionaries on the field. Mm. Uh, and, and what's sad is that a lot of some of those top reasons that have come out in the research and all that, you know, don't have to do with necessarily direct ministry. They have to do with burnout because of, of bad balance of family life, uh, Bad balance of actually having, you know, time for just friends and not, you know, mm-hmm. always being mm-hmm. in direct ministry or setting up that house church, in, uh, you know, in your house, but not having any kind of safe, you know, set apart space for family, you know, and this kind of thing. So mm-hmm. these, this, this consideration, I would just say as a, a little bit on my own member care soapbox here is so important and yet so easily neglected. Um, and I think it is a symptom of one of the most difficult areas. I think as Americans in, in our culture, it's, it's a constant battle to find that balance with, uh, the value of, of family and what our family needs are. And then what we are called to, you know, in, in work and vocation. Um, so This is a great place, too, to like bring the whole, especially bring the whole family into the process, you know, where, you know, for younger kids, it might not be easy to go out and do prayer walking, you know, and and this kind of thing. But in this, you know, discussion of um, when you're looking at um, expectations, desires, you know, what was life like for us back there? What do we desire and need for life here engaging the kids in conversation around friends, around school, around church environment, um, um, around, you know, family values of what you like to do for fun and being able to access that, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) Uh, Yeah. how you bond as a family and making sure to protect both space, but also where you set up life, you know, could, could be influenced not only by your ministry call, um, but also Mm -hmm. by, uh, Uh, of needs for the family Um, and dreaming together. You know, we're in Mm -hmm. this new place. We've got a fresh start in a lot of ways. What do we all dream about, you know, uh, for our new life here? And then there's also that like physical and mental health considerations, um, you know, for environment and uh, maybe physical limitations uh, people have uh, in your family. So, you know, some of the, some of the pieces, I don't know if, if there were some, if this jogs to, for you yeah. to mind, anything for your own family too. Well,
0: there, yeah, there's so much to be considered in this area. Like, um, and I don't recall doing much of this preparing to go to Central Asia 24 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I think we did this better in later transitions um, during furloughs and, and seasons where we could reflect um, on, what you know debrief reflect what was what what was hard what was um and i think that's all we place such high value on debriefing um, a -hmm. season of debriefing and processing your experience you know when you're when you're in a transition season but um i think we did more of that later on in different seasons of transition better than when we first went out but i'm you know i think you know I i recall for example jeff when we had our our first three years on the field kind of midway into our first three years in Central Asia, the NGO that we were part of, the humanitarian organization that we were part of, there was a um, kind of blew up in terms of um, some team conflict. Um, and there was, uh, I was on the leadership team at that point, um, b- but I was new really. I mean, we'd only been in the country a year and a half and I, and I feel like way, what I was experiencing was way beyond, you know, what I could (laughs) really handle. And so there were, with all the conflict and um, uncertainty and me being um, a peacemaker kind of person, I'm trying to get, Mm -hmm. you know, in between and and wanting to resolve this conflict and, you know, and I, I came close to the edge of really, I just was really depleted. And I remember um, going home, you know, one, one day, um, and talking to my wife and just saying, I'm, let's just pack our bags. I'm done with this, you know, let's go mm-hmm. home, you know? Mm-hmm. And of course her being the the more stable one in the family <laughs> was <laughs> able to, we were able to have a good conversation and realize that wasn't the, uh, that wasn't the, mm-hmm. the direction we were, we were to be going, we were to hold on hang in there. But it did come mm-hmm. to, to a point where I had to, where I had to look at this whole area of a fa- family values and sustainability. What's important now how are we going to um, not just survive but thrive long term? And that set set us on a path, set me on a path of of really looking into that. So I think sometimes these moments, these seasons of challenge and crisis, and it, they tend to bring us um, to that point of looking looking at it. But I but I'm hearing you say, let's let's get ahead of the game. Let's do some. Let's be proactive about this, which I love. And as we go into this next season, yeah. um, what's important to us as a family?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: There's been a, a kind of a
1: study done on on sustainability of family, and they have found. And this is usually when you're talking about immersion into a, another culture, but mm-hmm. I have found this to be just as poignant, if not more so, with reentry back into your own home culture. Mm-hmm. Um, which which a lot of t- a lot of us know uh, can sometimes be harder than actually going to a very, very foreign culture and, yeah. and trying to set up life. Both are difficult, right? But sometimes you come back and you sort of expect everything to be the same and you're familiar with the culture, right? But then you realize things have changed, people have changed, you've changed, and finding your grounding again and your identity again can be very difficult. Um, but one of the things is that in a sense, if you think about it like a chain, uh, now this isn't a weakest link analogy. This is a different chain analogy. And it says, if you want to move that chain forward, um, the, the person who for whatever reason is, is struggling the most or has the most challenge with immersing or, or re-immersing as it were with re-entry um, sets the pace for the family. So if you think about when you're hiking with, your hi- hiking with a group and you want to summit the mountain, one of the one of those, uh, strategies for, for backpacking and hiking is to put the person with the slowest pace at the front mm. because that the, the people behind them help encourage them, keep them going, but also you stay together that way. And if you need to stay together, especially if it's a, more of a survival trip or this kind of thing, staying together is important. And so you let them set the pace. And, and they, they encourage that same analogy when you're immersing into another culture or coming back, this could be family or this could be team. The person, you know, who, who, who needs that slower pace, you need to put them at the front end and let them set the pace and move with them. Otherwise you start putting a lot of tension on that chain and right. you could have some breakages and things like that, that just become destructive for a team, for a family, right. um, and so thinking about that as you're talking and looking at, you know, how everyone's doing with the adjustment. Um, so here's, here's some examples of just, these are, these are personal for us as far as lenses we're looking through in the family values and sustainability. This isn't necessarily, you know, uh, the biblical yeah. mandate for everybody when they go into a city. But mm-hmm. for one of the, one of the reasons um, that we are back, Uh, we would like to be on the field, but one of the reasons that we've come back is this last year has been very difficult for both sets of parents. And we just felt Uh like in part of our discernment process, the Lord was saying, it's time to go back and prioritize our our parents and our family. Uh And so that's one of the things that's brought us back. And we're looking at Uh, we have some family in the area and then we're looking at moving parents here and we're saying, okay, where are the good retirement communities that, Mm. that has shown up on our mapping? What is the kind of radius that we don't want to be, you know, too far away from them in order to be, uh, easy distance and help uh, and support to our parents. Mm. So that's, that's part of our mapping. Uh, we have a high value ourselves as a family for nature and, and being active. We love to hike and camp. Uh, we've got the Rockies right here, which is awesome and beautiful, and there's so much to explore. Um, so we would like to be able to get quick access into nature if possible. Um, uh, so looking at, okay, how could we be maybe on the west, western side of Denver um, to be more easy access or on a light rail or a, or a way that we could get to nature uh, more quickly. Uh, so that's one of the things we're considering uh, when we're looking for a place to land. Yeah. Um, we also have a value for the city. We love the city flow. We love to be part of mm-hmm. the urban environment. Uh, mm-hmm. We love the diverse ethnic diversity justice issues mm-hmm. are, are, are big for us. And so, you know, it might be that we live more urban, but we have quick access to nature or, or vice versa. You know, we maybe live on the outskirts, but we're near the light rail stations that can take us into the city easily uh, to be a part of, of something that's going on uh, there yeah. Uh, we also have the piece of the fact that we are a member care ministry the way between and our core audience is global workers. Well, there are a ton of global workers that come through the Denver airport down to Colorado Springs to a lot of the mission organizations there. How can we place ourselves easily and accessibly on, on that route between those two Hmm. where, you know, a lot of what we do is over zoom and, and uh, phone and that kind of thing. But we would like to have a place where people could come and land and be coached or, or trained or do transition work with us Good. Uh, here, you know. So different pieces like that, uh, simplicity, um, kids in the school and the school environment, what schools are we, are we looking at? They've got unique needs going through the Spanish system. They've, they're ahead in some areas. They're behind in some areas. They're needing some extra educational support right now. What schools are offering that? Um, and, and also the need that we will need some sort of office space outside of our home office as Sarah and I both uh, are working full-time and with the kids and helping them with online school right now with COVID. Um, you know, so, so all of those pieces then can start to show up on this map, and as you integrate all these lenses, certain areas and certain places start becoming quite clear as to where to focus, you know. Good. Uh, to do life, to set up life, to vary your route, you know, figure out your routes of travel uh, and this kind of
0: thing. So, yeah. Good. Yeah. This is something that just came to mind when you're talking about family values and sustainability. You know, I think there's, there's a, we often get in, especially in the, the missions world, um, as global workers, we, there's times when we just don't really feel like we're free to, to dream and, and, express our desires around these things because, you know, it's, um, whatever terminology you want to use, but, you know, God is calling us there. We don't really have a a choice in this, um, in terms of, you know, our living environment and things like that. This is, you know, so there's not maybe a freedom or a sense of like, I'm free to really dream about this or or strategize about this, but I think it is important. And maybe it's a little easier to do when you start really having real situations come up, like aging parents and things like that, that, that force you to look at these things. Mm -hmm. But I think there's always areas that we can, no matter where we end up actually living, that we can do well to um, spend some time in this area and really, Um, talk about as a family bring our kids into discussion like you're saying um, what's important each each one and I love your example of let the slower one kind of set the pace Um, Mm -hmm. um, that's a good good and good analogy um, even as you think about yeah climbing the mountain or whatever yeah letting Mm -hmm. letting the slower one set the pace boy we would we would have done a lot of a lot of preventative you know kind of damage control if you if you can think in Mm -hmm. those terms and and Mm -hmm process things that way and work through things that way so um, yeah very good jeff i appreciate man you sharing um these things and this was just two of the lenses we've highlighted today there's actually seven which Mm, you mentioned earlier yeah so we've already talked about having another conversation around this so as we wrap up yeah so as we wrap up today's podcast um i just want to say to our listeners um be ready for another one and we're going to highlight uh, we'll, we'll, we'll delve in deeper to this, um, and talk about some of these other lenses. If you're in transition right now, this is, this is, um, or you're going to be at some Mm -hmm. point we all will be. (laughs) So, so a great way to, to look at transition from another, this has brought some fresh perspective, even for me, Jeff, around how, Mm -hmm. um, some different areas to look at in terms of transition. So I hope our listeners, uh, I know our listeners will be encouraged and challenged by this. So, Hey, thank you for so much for joining me. And um again, we'll, we'll Yeah, we'll plan to do this again, but uh let me ask you this, which sometimes mm-hmm. I ask my my guests on on this podcast, um, wrap up this wrap up with this question. Thinking through those seasons of transition and and um where you've been and um what might you say to your younger self if you could and give them some advice what what would Mm. that be that's a good good question um
1: yeah definitely uh i think my younger self um uh did not have uh quite as much uh confidence in in my ability to hear and discern Mm. with the lord um i did that mainly you know sort of just in in individual prayer time. But, um, I think I've learned that there are so many different places in which God is speaking in discernment, you know, um, and actually taking into consideration that larger umbrella from, you know, inviting community to speak into that, hearing those voices, uh, hearing what you're hearing from scripture, learning to actually, um, listen to the Holy spirit and trust uh, your heart and your gut that the Lord, that the Spirit's speaking through some of that, the Lord does really give us the desires of our heart. He Mm. places places them in there. And sometimes those, just those gut, you know, senses or intuitions is the, is the spirit speaking. Um, Yeah. So just kind of, you know, really listening through much more variety of means Mm. um, uh, and being patient and, and helping, you know, put those pieces together as a puzzle towards discernment. I think that would be my encouragement to younger Jeff. Mm, that's good. <laughs> um, I like yeah, that. yeah, and not not rushing it. You know, waiting for those pieces mm-hmm. to to form mm-hmm. a clearer puzzle before taking the next step.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, this, yeah, that's great advice um, for all of us. And I think that um, these these lenses by which we look look at transition are just part of saying. God there's so many different ways you can speak to us and lead us. Mm-hmm. And um I think of that uh, old Rich Mullins song where he says everywhere everywhere I go I see you. There's it's part mm-hmm. of that song. I don't even know what song it is, but he everywhere we go and and everywhere we're at we can see him in different from different uh, approaches and angles and mm-hmm. and and begin to discern his voice as we bring take in all these different aspects of whether that be conversations or or prayer walks and mm-hmm. some research, whatever, whatever we're doing. But I just think there's so many ways that we can hear God's voice and mm-hmm. see Him more clearly. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Good. Well, Jeff, thank you again. And um, look forward to another conversation here in the near future. Um, say hello to Sarah. And just, yeah, may God continue to bless you guys as you... Um, settle in and transition there in Colorado.
1: Yes, thank you so much. Looking forward to talking again, and, uh, and I'll send you new pictures of the map as it develops more and
0: more. Oh, good, very cool. <laughs> All right, looking forward yeah. to that. Okay, okay. thanks okay, so Jeff. much, Tim. Uh huh. Thank you, bye-bye. I hope my conversation with Jeff has whetted your appetite to learn more about the process of missions mapping through transitions. As Jeff told me, and I agree, this kind of intentionality could mean the difference of actually immersing and building relationships, or living the frustration of always being the outsider. So get ready for more as I meet back up with Jeff for another episode real soon. And in the meantime, I encourage you to take a look at the resources Jeff and his wife Sarah provide on their website, thewaybetween.org. Let me just encourage you, it's never too late to make some intentional decisions around your transition. Whether you need support working through an unexpected change or to plan and strategize something new, reach out to me at encompasslifecoaching.com and begin to navigate your transition with confidence and clarity. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of Navigate. I've been your host, Tim Austin, and I can't wait to see you next time. Bye-bye.